Welcome to my recommendation reaction podcast, where this week I'm talking about 2016 Steve Jobs. As always, I'm going to be talking about this movie with the assumption that you've seen it, and so I can talk about spoilers, though honestly this isn't exactly the type of movie where there's a lot of spoilers to talk about. So that being said, let's go ahead and jump into talking about the movie. One of my favorite things about this movie is the unique structure of the film. And it's interesting that it's a unique structure because almost every movie, almost every screenplay is going to follow a three-act structure. But not every movie has such a distinct three-act structure as this movie. This movie takes place uh, at three different product launches. And so it's basically segmented very cleanly, very clearly into three sections. That's my water bottle popping. Very clearly into three sections, and the first one being this uh, introductory section at this first product launch where everything's hopeful and optimistic. The second one being when he's out of Apple and launching this other product next, and it's all about sort of his revenge or his reaction to being out of Apple. And the last one being back at Apple and things kind of being optimistic again, things kind of being resolved, but there's still a lot of conflict. And so you see these clear, distinct acts because they are literally three different stagings for this film, which plays out, honestly, in that regard, like a play. This really seems like something that could very easily transition to the stage because of the limited locations and because of the lack of special effects or anything. It's it's a dialogue-driven story, and so this could very easily be a play and wouldn't be surprised if that happens at some point. But one of the things I love about the detail and what they did to make these three acts feel distinct is, uh, well, it takes place in three different time periods. That's obvious. It takes place in 84, 88, and 98. But not only do they just tell you that, they do a lot to make it come alive in that way. Uh, what do I mean by that? I mean that the, the they're filmed three different ways, and they're scored three different ways. So in the first act, in 1984... It's filmed in 16 millimeter. In 1988, it's filmed in 32 millimeter, and in 1998, it's filmed in digital. So basically, the quality of the filming uh, sort of matches the age in which the story is supposed to be taking place, and so it gets progressively cleaner and crisper as the technology in the movie is advancing, which is kind of neat. Similar thing with the score, um, which I think is really understated and underrated in this movie because it's not something that's going to become iconic and people are going to recognize, like, oh, that's that Steve Jobs score. But it paces the movie really well, and it's also done in three different styles. The first one being an analog style. He used uh, synthesizers for that first one, and he said he, the composer, I read, felt like synthesizers represented not only, like, that mid-'80s, but, um, you know, it was like there was an optimism about technology. Like people love synthesizers because it was early use of technology and music. Like, hey, look at the cool sounds we can make. Um, it wasn't the best, but uh, you know, it was new and exciting. The next act he did more of an orchestra, an orchestral sound for his soundtrack, and that sort of matched. They felt like it was sort of the Shakespearean revenge act. Um, ironically, it was at a the launch was happening at a place with the orchestra pit and one of the key scenes between Jobs and Wozniak happens in an orchestra where Jobs compares himself to a conductor and Woz to first chair of his instrument. And so that is all done with orchestra sound. And then the final act, he did the music digitally, which I don't even know entirely what that means, but I know it's meant to match, again, 
The music, the filming are both digital for the 1998 section of the movie. And so while you don't even think about it, most people probably aren't even registering these differences. The filmmakers are setting you in the right mood for each of these sections of the movie. And so it's, it's one of those things that as you dig into, I just appreciate the movie for its attention to that kind of detail, even more so once you know these things. I also think it's cool that they shot this movie in sequence. It always blows my mind. That's one of the things I can't ever really wrap my head around in movies is the way that they'll shoot out of sequence. I mean, especially like I couldn't be an actor anyways, I, unless I was just literally playing myself. And even then, I uh, probably wouldn't go that well. But to act out of sequence and have to have different emotions and, and come from different places um, would be really hard. So I would always just naturally want to shoot in order. So I'd be like, yeah, I know what just happened. I know what's about to happen. And I'm just following my character. I only have to be where my character is exactly at in that moment emotionally. But they did this in sequence, but they also, they shot each act, each segment of the movie in four weeks, and they did two weeks of rehearsals and two weeks of shooting. And again, I'm not an actor, but I've heard from many places, many times, actors interviewed or talking, and, and they talk about how much they love rehearsals. They love the ability to be able to get used to the character, explore the character, practice with their partners, and get comfortable with the scenes before they even start shooting. Uh, it just feels like it really enhances their performance. And I think it shows in this, there's a tremendous amount of comfort within the characters that the actors have. Uh, and I think that comes from the two weeks of rehearsal that matches the length of time for shooting. You would think normally filmmakers probably want to give themselves the most time for shooting. And so it's sort of a gift to give these actors that much time to rehearse. Of course, again, there's so much dialogue. It probably helps that the characters come in having rehearsed that dialogue before you start shooting. Because otherwise you might just have to constantly cut as people forget lines because uh, there's a lot of them. I mean, it's a, it had to be a dense script. I think I read it was 180 pages, and usually like one page converts to a minute on screen. This is an 180-minute movie, so they are just ripping through this dialogue. It is rapid-fire dialogue, so they had to learn a lot. The next thing I want to talk about with this movie is exactly that, the dialogue, the Sorkin dialogue. Aaron Sorkin is by far my favorite writer, um... He's the writer that, like, I feel like I wish I was. Um, when I write, I probably am just doing a very poor Sorkin impression. And I, this is actually, this is the first movie that I've reviewed now here uh, that I've also reviewed in my blog when it first came out four years ago. I didn't even think of that when I made it a recommendation. But I went back and I read my review that I wrote four years ago. And one of the things I wrote, which is actually something that I say fairly regularly, I wanted to quote for you, I said, Sorkin writes dialogue that sounds like people should sound, if only they could articulate things as clearly as they seem in their head. Right? So it's not that Sorkin writes things that just sound so eloquent. It's not that all his characters are so well spoken. It's just that they speak exactly what the character should convey so crystal clear. And that's what I love about Sorkin dialogue. Um, the characters are never at a loss to say. They say the wrong thing all the time. And, in fact, I mean, Job says the wrong thing constantly. That's part of his character. That's one thing that Sorkin does really well. He writes characters that aren't lovable in the lead. I mean, it's what he did with uh, The Social Network, for example. Like, you're not sure if you're supposed to like Steve Jobs in this movie. Like, there's part of him that's very admirable because he's very determined and he has this clear vision and he is going to execute that vision. And in a way, that's admirable. But he's just a jerk along the way. 
and he's mean to people, and if people are in the way, he'll just stomp on them. And so, like, you're like, this isn't a good guy. And Sorkin just does that balancing act so well where you're not sure you like the guy, but you certainly want to keep watching him. You certainly keep on watching all these exchanges that he has with people, even if you go back and forth between, like, I like this guy, and, man, I want to hit this guy. Um, This screenplay wasn't even nominated for an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay. It would be Best Adapted because it's based on a real story. And that blows my mind. Now, I will say that at the Oscars, the award for Best Adapted Screenplay went to The Big Short, which is another one of my favorite written movies, and I won't even argue that one. But the fact it wasn't nominated, come on. Like, clearly this was... This was one of the best of this year, and really, in my opinion, one of the best of any year. The last thing that I want to talk about is Fassbender's performance. I think Michael Fassbender is awesome in this role. Now, obviously, when this first got announced, the previews first came out, and people saw Fassbender was playing Steve Jobs, a lot of people were like, he doesn't really look like Steve Jobs. Uh, which is not something I immediately thought because I don't really have a I didn't I know what Steve Jobs looks like but I'm not like a Steve Jobs guy so I wasn't like really offended like hey this isn't what my guy looks like uh, I just thought oh Fassbender's a good actor good choice um, but actually he wasn't even the first choice for the part the role was originally going to be played by Leonardo DiCaprio which is even less Steve Jobs esque if you ask me but uh, DiCaprio ended up backing out of the role. Uh, I believe it had a different director attached to do it when he was going to do it. And DiCaprio ended up doing The Revenant instead. And then the studio wanted Christian Bale. But Christian Bale passed on it and did The Big Short instead. And then that's how they ended up at Fassbender. And Fassbender crushed it. Uh, I've, I've often said, I don't know if he became Steve Jobs but I know he became someone else from the other characters I've seen him play in movies. He became a different type of person. His speech was different. His body language was different. And that's sort of like little things as actors. I'm like, I don't know how they do. I don't know how you change your sort of body language and the way you deliver lines. Like Seth Rogen is in this movie as Steve Wozniak and it's kind of fun casting and he does an okay job. He delivers the lines well, but like he's just Seth Rogen. He's still body language is Seth Rogen the way he talks to Seth Rogen, but Fassbender changes himself a little bit, so he's less Fassbender and more this character of Steve Jobs in this movie. And, you know, they said, uh, the makers of this movie, they weren't going for straight-up accurate biopic. They were more going for a uh, nailing the essence of the character. They really wanted you to give a sense of Steve Jobs more than these are the literal things that happened to Steve Jobs, hence the three acts and not covering his whole life. Um... But at the Oscars, I think I just thought those three characters, those three actors crossing was interesting because Fassbender did get nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars, uh, but he lost to Leo for The Revenant. Um, just for uh, kicks, the other nominees that year were Brian Cranston in Trumbo. Okay performance. Uh, I didn't love it, but I'm not going to be mad at it for being nominated. Matt Damon for The Martian. Matt Damon was awesome in The Martian, so I'm cool with that. And Eddie Redmayne in The Danish Girl, which admittedly, I never saw. Look, Leo was really good in The Revenant, uh, but it was that, like, give me an Oscar performance. 
and I would have much preferred Fassbender. When these Oscars were coming out, that was my pick. I wanted Fassbender to win the Oscar. So even though it looked like it paid off for Leo to leave this role and go do The Revenant because uh, he got the Oscar for it, in my heart, Fassbender, you're the real winner. So, you know, take comfort in that. Probably not much comfort. Also, uh, Bale got nominated for Best Supporting Actor and would have been my choice to win for The Big Short, but Mark Rylance won for Bridge of Spies. I thought Mark Rylance was good. I thought it was a fun pick because it was unexpected, uh, but wouldn't have been my pick. And actually, in the moment, my heart would have gone with Sylvester Stallone for his role in Creed, um, but, you know, he didn't win anyways. Uh, I also really like Mark Ruffalo in Spotlight, but... Bale in The Big Short would have been my choice. I'm sorry that this turned into really an Oscar discussion instead of just a straight-up Steve Jobs discussion, but I thought that, again, Fassbender did an amazing job uh, delivering just a whole lot of dialogue, being a character who wasn't all that likable, and yet somehow you still had to like him enough to want to follow him and to want to see what was going to happen with him. And so I think he crushed that performance. Uh, unfortunately, I don't feel like Fassbender has had that many roles where he gets to be this good, or at least the movie that he's in isn't this good. He does a lot of bad movies, and I wish he would get more good movies like this one so that he could show off what he could do. Um, just before I end, I do want to say that I do think Kate Winslet was very good in the movie, but I wrote this in my blog review the first time I did it. She does an accent in the movie because she's supposed to be from Poland, but I feel like it's really inconsistent. Every time I watch it, I try to pick up on it. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe like the first act, it'll be stronger. And then second act, a little weaker. And third act, it'll be a little weaker because she's been working in America longer and longer. And with Steve Jobs. But uh, it really just seems to come and go throughout the movie. And maybe it's because I'm bad with accents. Maybe someone who's actually good with accents would be like, no, she's like perfect and emphasizing just where she would as someone from Poland. But... Uh, I don't know, it just it throws me off because I keep trying to figure it out and I can't figure it out. Uh, the directing is very good. I haven't even mentioned that Danny Boyle directed this, but he did a great job with it, I think, because you think this is a dialogue-driven movie, much like a play, so how do you direct it in any way that's exciting? But, man, he just finds a way to direct it that is interesting. I mean, you've got your kind of typical... Sorkin, West Wing-esque walk-and-talk scenes. So by putting people on the move, uh, add some excitement. But uh, just the the other stuff, just the, the angles, the few cuts they do with flashbacks, they just do things to keep it fresh and keep the story moving. This movie, that's the amazing thing to me. It feels almost like an action movie to me, even though it's just a dialogue movie. And of course, part of that, again, goes back to Sorkin's dialogue. He starts the movie off with an argument, they're arguing over whether or not the computer is going to be able to say hello at a launch. And by doing that, this just starting off with these three characters just bannering back and forth, immediately uh, you're just you're up-tempo from the go. They're just bannering back and forth real quick, real snippy with each other, and it just gets that dialogue tempo going, and it just sort of stays as the movie moves along. And also I think the fact that it's set right before a launch each time adds this urgency to each scene because you're like, okay... You're about to have to go on stage and present these products, so there's a limited amount of time. People are constantly pressuring to get to um, get things ready for this launch, and that adds an urgency and makes it feel more action uh, than it actually is. So anyways, um, that's my thoughts on Steve Jobs. Really enjoyed it. 
Uh, every time I watch it, I really enjoy it. Hopefully you enjoyed it as well. Let me know what you thought if you watched it, and I will see you next time for my next recommendation review.